Hi, Kit McCarty here, welcoming you to Now I See, a podcast where people of vision share their eye-opening experiences that helped them shift focus, gain perspective, and see themselves and their world in a whole new way. We invite you to pull up a chair to the conversational table, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy our show. We're hoping our time together will encourage, elevate, and engage you toward your own eye-opening moments. Hi, I'm Kit McCarty, and my guest today is Jim Kennedy. Welcome to Now I See. Glad to be here, Kit. Jim was born in Houston and picked up degrees from three revered Texas institutions, Stephen F. Austin, South Texas College of Law, and Southern Methodist University. He's a CPA, a former IRS agent, appeals officer, and appeals manager. He taught tax management and planning as an adjunct professor at the Graduate School of Management at the University of Dallas. Jim now practices law in Dallas. He's a member of the American Bar Association, the Dallas Bar, the Colorado Bar, and the State Bar of Texas. You hit a lot of bars, sir. (laughs) Jim practices in the area of taxation with a strong emphasis on tax controversies, tax planning, and estate planning. He was recently recognized in D Magazine as one of the best lawyers in Dallas. Congratulations, Jim. And one might think that a person like you would be stuffy, but you're not. Clearly, you're good with numbers, and you have a strong sense of justice. And you're discreet. I also see you as friendly, gracious, thoughtful, discerning, easy with a laugh. And it's a great laugh, as our listeners are about to discover. How do you see yourself? Uh, well, that's first off, that, thank you for the compliments. That's uh, uh, certainly something to uh, think about a little bit. I, am, I, am I blushing? Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I guess I think of myself as really down to earth, or try to be, uh, and try to uh, help my clients uh, along those lines. It, it, a lot of times you have to be down to earth uh, to deal with some of the problems that, uh, uh, that I have to deal with. I've described how I see you. How do you see you? Besides down to earth, what are some things that drive you? Um, well, I have to, okay, the, the, now you're going to see, see some of my uh, transparency. I'm probably a little bit too vain. Um, <laughs> I think uh, we all may be. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, I think I'm, uh, I'm willing to work pretty hard uh, to get to an objective, um, and, uh, and I'm pretty good at um, uh, figuring out what that objective is. Uh, uh, ultimately, I'm, I've had to, over the years, um, been doing this for, 45 years. Um, I've had to, over the years, uh, become naturally instinctive about people, and especially when they're telling the truth or not, and uh, um, and working with them because I can assure you that uh, um, that it is often that the client does not always tell you all the truth. <laughs> I have seen you work a crowd, and I would say that those things are true about you. How do you think those things were formed in you? Well, I think probably the main mentor of mine would have been my father, and uh, he uh, was uh, somebody of incredible integrity um, to to a fault, to a fault. Uh, he he believed in uh, in having to look in the mirror and see someone that's uh, that legitimate, someone that tells the truth, and. Um, I have a story about that that um, I hope won't be too long, uh, but um, he had to do exactly that in a church setting and uh, had to ask uh, his best friend, uh, in fact, in the church setting, uh, a question that effectively impeached his best friend and caused 
ultimately a division that uh, uh, that I think uh, um, a lot of people regretted for a long time, but it was a question that had to be asked. Uh, that was probably uh, uh, the source of a lot of uh, a lot of the character I think that uh, I hoped uh, to achieve, if not already. But uh, but it but it is uh, it's something that I remember often uh, and uh, rely back on, especially when you're dealing with tough questions as to what is good and bad and what is right and wrong and how do you respond? How do you, do you tell people truth? Do you not? You know what do you what do you do? And that's kind of the profession I'm in is uh, telling them truth. Well, and I think that that can be very challenging sometimes because not everybody wants to hear the truth. And it's interesting in that story that you told, you could have gone either way. You either could have championed the truth and followed your father's footsteps, which clearly you did, or you could have said, well, that didn't go well and learned to live in the shadow land of half-truth. Mm-hmm. And you didn't choose to do that. Uh, so tell me some of the circumstances where you've had to be truthful and, uh, and maybe some of the um, successes and, and failures that came as a result of that. Well, I generally represent a lot of people who are in trouble. Uh, they um, either owe a lot of money or may owe a lot of money if, uh, if, uh, if what the IRS says is true, uh, turns out to be true. Um, and so sometimes what I have to tell clients is um, that's, that's not exactly what, how things work. That's mm-hmm. not exactly mm-hmm. how the law works, first off, no matter what your emotion may say about a particular problem or a particular issue. The law says this, and we've got to deal with what we have to deal with. This is the reality. It is what it is. And, uh, and so that, that is many times what I have to do. I remember telling, having to tell a particular client just recently about, about a particular problem, and, uh, and, and I I had to tell the client, and this is somebody who, who I respect and admire and think a lot of, uh, a Christian, I said, but transparency is the name of the game, and you need to be as transparent as possible. And whenever you don't feel like you can be transparent about a problem, uh, that, can, uh, that can work against you. Absolutely. That against that's, you. A bi- that's a big red flag. So there are times in law where both sides are right. What would be your recommendation to people who are interpreting the law and they see things differently, but they're both right, and that that does happen? Well, I have an initial response to that. I have uh, many times clients, in fact, I would say almost most of the time, that it's always somebody else's fault. (laughs) Yes, Uh, blame game. And so I uh, I have to bring it back down home. I have to explain to people that, uh, you know, no matter what uh, you might think the right outcome might be, from your perspective, we have to, again, deal with uh, what uh, reality tells us. And, and part of why you hire me is for me to estimate or guesstimate or speculate on our chances to prevail. And uh, that's, that has been true throughout my career. I've been as an appeals officer inside the IRS uh, and as a um, an attorney representing people outside the IRS. And I was for a short time a CPA as well and worked uh, worked against the IRS as a CPA. And now I work against the IRS as an attorney. But uh, I often explain to people that you're hiring me to give you the best 
the best estimate of what we can uh, do to prevail and what percentages exist for us to prevail. And sometimes the percentages aren't good. And, uh, and so you have to make a business decision as to whether it's worth it to go on considering all the costs. And some of those costs are what you have to pay me. And, you know, I'd love to tell you that I get every dollar, every bill. I don't. <laughs> of course. But, but, but it is a consideration. And what happens a lot of times is uh, I'll give a client, I said, I think our chances are one in four. And uh, is that worth it for you to go forward? And often what happens is the client asks me, well, what would you do? And, you know, a lot of attorneys don't like to give their estimate on something or, or give their uh, opinion about whether they should go. And, and depending upon who the client is, my answer might differ. For example, if it's somebody who really doesn't uh, have the wherewithal to take the risk, I, I might have to say, you know what, I think we need to do the best we can with the IRS right now. Uh, I think we need to go ahead and settle it and see if we can get a, a good deal and, and walk away. And maybe we can figure a way, another way, not to have to pay. Because there are other ways. There are many ways. I know them all. Um, <laughs> but sometimes, let's say, for example, on the same situation, and we're dealing with a company that has a lot of wherewithal, and uh, they have the same wherewithal to uh, fight the IRS as the IRS has to fight them. Then I say, you know what, uh, this is something that uh, under those circumstances I would fight. Uh, I think we might even be able to settle it on some sort of in-between basis. And uh, because compromise is the name of the game and the IRS knows that compromise has to, has to result sometimes in some of these cases. And, and, uh, and I have a fair, fair amount of success. So is that the same rubric you use when making personal decisions? What do you have to what do you have to gain? What do you have to lose? Does that translate well to personal life? Uh, it can, although um, I'm not sure that entering into every discussion or every argument is uh, worth the price. Uh, but uh, I've had to hear, learn that the hard way, and I'm not sure I've, I'm always successful even then, because I can be pretty passionate, pretty strident about some of my positions. Uh, uh, and so you pay a price when you do that. And uh, sometimes, especially if you're respected, it's worth the cost. But sometimes you simply have to walk away and say, no, that's not a battle I want to win today uh, in an effort to win the war. And I kind of, it's interesting you put it that way because I do uh, like to think of uh, contention as being battles in wars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the war is ultimately your goal, not the battle. And sometimes you lose a battle in order to win a war. Sure. Well, let's circle back to when you were talking about litigation. Sometimes the rules are wrong, and you've had to go to battle for clients or go to battle in court to change a uh, law or a ruling, and that's part of appeals as well. But tell us about some of those, or give us a story about an instance where that happened. Well, yes, that many times can be the case, and a lot of times that's driven by the facts. Uh, sometimes uh, cases are of first impression, and the facts have never been litigated before. And, and so what you're doing is 
trying to illuminate, enlighten uh, the other side as to your position, hopefully persuade the other side, that is the IRS, maybe the Department of Justice, that the position you're taking is one uh, worth their consideration. Uh, more importantly, it's worth them thinking about the risk of losing, because I can assure you that counsel on the other side doesn't want to lose either. They have certain motivations inside. And so if it is something that can settle, it most of the time will so, especially in the tax law. I'll give you some statistics. 97% of uh, tax cases that are become docketed ultimately settle. Very few actually go to trial. And the reason is that uh, typically both sides are trying to reach the right conclusion. But the conclusion I'm trying to reach is the best possible conclusion that, uh, uh, that is reachable. But I will tell you that, that that's, I have more responsibility than a normal government employee or a government attorney might have. I have, I have the responsibility, according to, um, uh, according to rules, the disciplinary rules, to zealously represent my client. So uh, assuming I'm staying within the legal bounds, uh, that's exactly what I do. And sometimes I get settlements that I call right-side-of-the-bed settlements. <laughs> and what I mean by that is hopefully the appeals officer, the revenue agent, or whoever I'm talking to in the government has gotten up on the right side of the bed. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and, and some, you know, I, if you don't ask, you don't get it. Right. And so it's always a, a challenge as to, when is the right time and what is the right request to make? And uh, I, I've had a fair amount of success at doing that and, and recognizing when it may be a good time to do that. So what's it like to live with Jim Kennedy? Are you a um, hard and fast rules guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are I, you not... a good negotiator? Um, I hope so. I hope I am. Uh, that's, that's how I've made my living for 45 years. Uh, both inside the government and outside, uh, recognizing what uh, what a good position is. But being a good negotiator doesn't mean you win it all every time. Sometimes it means that you know when to walk away. Well, for me, sometimes it's preferring the other in love. You know what? I love you enough that I'm just not going to fight about this anymore. I'm going to let you win this one um, and hope to garner some goodwill for the next time that we're going to knockheads, especially if it's somebody that, you know, um, we just have different, very different personalities or very different perspectives. That is very true and, and a good observation, Kit, because what a lot of times is worthwhile now may be even more worthwhile later. I have to recognize that sometimes. I have to deal with the same people a lot of times. And so being hard and... Uh, and uncompromising, or more importantly, not being intellectually honest about the facts mm -hmm. that you have mm -hmm. uh, can discredit you and uh, make it difficult to achieve the same thing in the future. Doesn't mean you don't still go at it as hard as you might have gone at it before or as passionately as you might have. But it does mean that, uh, that you got to be honest with yourself as to what your chances are. But put that in a juxtaposition as to the client you're representing because just because you might not be able to uh, get a deal in fear of what ha will happen if you don't 
be as zealous as you could be, that might hurt the client. So there's a lot of uh, gives and takes on how you work that, I think. I think so, too. So how do you stay intellectually honest? Especially uh, you and I are both passionate people. Mm-hmm. And when we believe something, we strongly believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm concerned about whether my socks match the rest of my... I mean, I have an opinion on pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. So what checks and balances do you have to ensure that you are um, not being hypocritical, that you're staying intellectually honest? That is a, that is a challenge that exists every day that I practice law. Number one... I think you have to be willing, able to tell the truth. You have to be honest. That does not mean, however, uh, that that you put yourself or your client in a position every time uh, for all of the warts to be shown. Right. Uh, that's a delicate balance. There are certain elements that of, of particular cases, that, for example, that, that might uh, uh, put your client into a negative uh, light that have nothing to do with the actual issue. And so not disclosing a particular uh, piece of information that might do that is not your responsibility. Your responsibility, again, is to zealously represent your client. Not to be deceptive. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that a lot of times you have to be uh, uh, very uh, uh, careful, cautious about uh, uh, what you're saying and when you say it. And you don't. You tell the truth. You tell the truth. And uh, that gets you a long way down the road, in my view. Uh, the second thing I would say is that uh, you prepare. Uh, you prepare so that you can tell the truth, by the way, uh, so that you can, uh, and you can know what all the problems are. Uh, with your particular case. If you're not going to be willing to do the work, you might as well get out of the profession. I don't think, uh, the profession I'm in at least, I regard what I do as very challenging. It is gratifying, but it has required a a lot of work to get to where I am, but it is also requiring a lot of work while I'm here. Now, you know, I'm, I'm closer to when I'm going to stop than when I start, clearly. But I see a day where that's going to be decreasing as far as my intensity is concerned. Hadn't yet, really, but it's, uh, but it's probably around the corner, uh, not too far off. And what I hope to do is maintain that kind of regimen for the rest of my life. I, I, and I don't see that ever changing. I want to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, okay, I've, I've done the best I could. I've, I've dealt with the government. To suggest that the government is always going to come around to my position <laughs> is not, it's not realistic, and it's not what happens. <laughs> but, but, I, uh, but I have a fair amount of uh, – I, I have a, an instinctive sense, I think, of what is good and what is fair. And there's one thing that exists in what I do. There is always an alternative, always an alternative, and, uh, and and as I say, I know what they are, and I've been around too long not to. I better know. Yeah, uh, exactly. that's why people hire me. Exactly. So we've been tossing around this tr- this term, and I think it may need some definition. We've been talking a lot about truth, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to quote Pilate, what is truth? Um, and in today's society, truth is relative. I suspect that you have a different definition of truth. Well, I struggle with uh, the current popular approach to uh, the moral relativism that exists. I have to admit that uh, that that is that's a challenge. In my profession, I don't find I find that that I'm probably most of the time going to be the one with the broadest sense, the thirty thousand view, thirty thousand foot view of things, and uh, and so I'm probably going to have a good idea of how we should proceed to find the truth, as far as my profession is concerned. Now, as far as other issues, cultural issues, um, I, my opinion's worth as much as anybody else's. Uh, and probably less a lot of cases. Um, but there's no doubt that it's going to have an influence on what I do too. I mean, the, the moral relativism, and, and uh, it, 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 it has to. It, it's just, I can't imagine it won't. Uh, but I, I do have tremendous respect for the legal profession to, to cut through what some of that philosophy, approach to life, uh, to cut through and get to as much truth as possible, and and so I have comfort there. I have comfort there. I don't, um, and 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 I think I can brag about it a little bit right now because I think that, um, and I'm pleased with the way our system works. As sh- as slow as it is, as uh, difficult as it seems for people to come up with uh, decisions, um, we're doing the best we can. It's the truth of it, and it's certainly better than whatever's in second place. <laughs> way, way better than whatever's in second place. And I don't know what that is, but our system works, and uh, and I and overall, and I'm I'm very proud to have been a part of it. I've been I've been very fortunate to be a part of it, and uh, I think uh, our system in general will uh, will help us through some of this morass of of uh, of different thinking that that uh, to me sometimes is very uh, gosh it's very difficult very deceptive very uh, just untrue <laughs> I don't know any way to say it I, but 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 the system does do that and and one of the reasons is one of the reasons is uh, and I don't mean to give a lecture on 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 legal uh, uh, tenets but uh, stare decisis, and that is uh, our reliance upon previous decisions and uh, thinking. Uh, we've got hundreds of years of, uh, of solid decisions that have been made and, and writings that have occurred. Uh, the United States has more regulation and rules than uh, probably the rest of the world combined uh, because of, uh, but it's due to its uh, respect for the rule of law. And, and we generally do have that. We generally do have that, and and I, and I, at least I, I respect it and appreciate it, and uh, and 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 I'm eager to, to to see it prevail, and I still do day by day, see it prevail day by day. I have confidence in it because of the foundation of the of the law that we have uh, in the beginning, mm-hmm. <laughs> when we said we hold these truths to be self-evident, and that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights and the laws came 
tumbling down after that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the fact that um, we have built our legal system on things that we hold to be true that that should be evident to everyone gives me a lot of confidence. It's not on some emperor's whim or on a tradition or uh, legal fashion, which may change with the decades, but that these truths have always been true and will always be true. And so that gives me a lot of confidence. serious discussion about truth, justice, and the American way, but we're about to turn the corner and have a little more fun. You'll hear about Jim's wife, Joellen, their two adult children, their dog Gus, and about some special friends, especially from the journey class at church. But before we do that, let me encourage you, the friends of Now I See, to share, like, subscribe, rate, and review so other people can find us too. I'd love to make your friends my friends. You can reach out to me on Facebook at Kit McCarty NIS, on Twitter at NowIC10, that's NowIC10, or at NIS.media. Sign up for our weekly newsletter and pick up the podcasts and blogs you may have missed. Now, back to our show. Counselor, I'm going to ask some questions based on your uh, years of experience about how people can, in general, not necessarily in tax or legal things, but just in general in relationships, uh, manage difficulties. So uh, conflict resolution, when two good ideas come together, advice for people about how to manage that. Two mutually exclusive good ideas come together. Good ideas come together, mm-hmm. and how do, how do you resolve And how do you manage that? How do you resolve that? Um, and if it has to do with... Uh, Potential litigation, you try and work them both to your advantage any way you can. And in effect, creating a win-win that both sides can take something away. Absolutely. Um, I I will say uh, in order, I want to compliment the government here, especially generally the IRS counsel that I have to deal with. Generally, they're looking for the right answer. Uh, They're not not interested in uh, in wasting time on something that's not going to be... uh, fair to both the government and the uh, taxpayer. Not to say I'm not looking for a right answer too, but it's a right, my right answer might not be the same as their answer, right answer. But sometimes, I, I again, I have to recognize that uh, the uh, negotiating stance that I have isn't as strong as I'd like it to be. Uh, but typically with the government, for example, they're interested in, also interested in uh, precedent because they don't want bad precedent. So they have to risk uh, if they go to trial, that they might lose. And that all of a sudden, several cases that are behind my case, all of a sudden have much more possibility of prevailing. That is a big risk for the government. Uh, and that is sometimes a motivator for them to settle. And why you might get a better settlement than you might, than you might have expected. Sure. So, sure. so yes, it, it is possible that, that in those circumstances you have a win-win. You get a settlement you want, they get out of the case that they don't want bad precedent for. Another one would be where the law is not important anymore. It, mm. I, I had one like that recently where basically uh, the law changed, and so as a result it was irrelevant, but it was very important to our clients that it be done correctly. 
and it be computed correctly. And I, 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 I was taking care of it from soup to nuts. I was making sure that all the computations, I was actually reviewing the computations myself just to make sure that they understood exactly what, um, what the value of our petition, uh, position was. And it was, it was pretty complicated in that regard, but I really didn't feel like I could trust anybody else to do it. I had to do it myself. And I don't normally do that. I, I don't normally do the computations. I'm capable of doing it, but, I, uh, uh, but I'm not going to necessarily be as efficient, but I'm going to be very meticulous. And generally, what I found was that I was right every time. <laughs> when, when I did the computations, I was, um, and I'd taken the time to do it right, that I was able to do it correctly and uh, and I finally got the IRS's attention on it and we were able to get it resolved but that's another one where it's a win-win where the government really doesn't have to worry about it because it's not going to make any it's not going to have any important uh, precedent win-win um, otherwise would uh, exist where there are a lot of liaison committees uh, that exist and I've had I've given input to those where the liaison committees uh, with the, uh, the government, for example, IRS in particular, they're looking for better systems, better approaches, and who better to ask than the practitioners that are actually doing it. And, and we have, I can assure you, a lot of opinions about how to better, how to make things more efficient. You know, one of our objectives is for it not to cost a client an arm and a leg to pursue something. And if it can be more efficient, the IRS is generally willing to listen to better ways to do things. And they, they actually hire liaison officers for exactly that purpose. I'm, I, I've had a positive experience in that regard where, uh, where I'm able to, uh, uh, to work with, uh, with the government uh, to get things to, uh, to work better than they have been. In particular, uh, there is something called the Taxpayer Advocate Office. And... Uh, uh, and I will often uh, inquire with them or explain to them that I'm being, maybe it's a system that's mistreating me. It may be an actual employee of the IRS is mistreating my client. And so I have the ability to go to the IRS, and they have within their system an ability for our capacity to be able to, re uh, to represent that particular taxpayer to, against the government itself. And they're very good at it. And, uh, and I've used them over the years and have had a lot of success using them. So again, it's, it's a way for the government to ensure that there's no, um, there's, there's no wild card out there as far as uh, uh, a particular government employee doing something you shouldn't be doing. And, and I have to tell you that that happens. So it's necessary to have those kinds of people inside the government that you can actually complain to and that they will take up the case. They really don't have any choice. Once you complain, they, they eventually get to it and take care of the issue. So some of the things that I'm hearing you say that have been successful, as you've argued your case in court, include things like precedent and risk, facts, experience, and is the decision we're about to make efficient or expedient? Would you say that all those things also translate well to everyday personal relationships? Would you use those same criteria in um, determining how to handle a conflict with somebody in a, in a they're social helpful. situation. They're, they're not determinative because, uh, as I think you mentioned earlier, it doesn't, uh, sometimes that doesn't provide enough room for or fill the gap as far as love is concerned. Mm. So, but they're still helpful uh, because you need to, 
Because there are issues that we deal with in everyday life, I think, that require us to have uh, insight, mm-hmm. uh, require us to be able to read people, mm-hmm. uh, require us to try and figure out what agenda might exist on both sides. Good, good. And uh, recognizing what agenda you might have versus the agenda that the other side might have. Mm-hmm. And it would not be the first time that, as I mentioned earlier, that, I have, that I've used the word personally uh, in discussions that I have with people, disagreements I have with people, that someone be intellectually honest about mm-hmm. something. Yeah, mm-hmm. because too many times, especially in this world of uh, uh, political correctness, uh, uh, intellectual honesty is uh, almost non-existent. It's just not there. Uh, if people are, are really trying to work to or toward an issue, sometimes uh, simple decency doesn't exist, and you have to you have to you know calm down and mm-hmm. uh, and try and uh, figure out what uh, what a good resolution might be. So yeah, it does apply some. I'm just not sure it applies every time, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that we we're very good. In America, especially because we're uh, we're very uh, into being right, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, we're not uh, we're not trained uh, often enough, maybe on on walking away, walking yeah. away, trying to of 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 trying to figure out. Okay, this is not the day to figure it out. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure it out some other day. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so. Well, I see the opposite end of that spectrum, too, where people are afraid to say what they're thinking for fear of offending somebody. And so people who probably should have spoken up or should have defended someone or some cause didn't because they were afraid that they would create an offense. So I see both ends of the spectrum, people pushing their agenda and people afraid to do that because uh, they fear the repercussions. Very true, Kit. I'm, I'm, I'm struck by that. I Getting back into my world a little bit, just for a second, I represent a lot of, uh, more often than not, women who have tax troubles because of uh, what their ex-husbands have created. And uh, so exactly that, where they have been meek uh, during their life, have not known how to be otherwise, and haven't known exactly the questions to ask. Now Now they're having to ask them, and uh, uh, are being forced to ask them, and, and so many times they don't know what to do. And and and, and I come a lot of times. I've had this kind of case just recently, in fact, where I've had to come in and and, and walk into a situation where the husband is uh, abused, both physically and mentally, a woman. And uh, but what he's done is he's basically taken control of the taxation situation. So yes, absolutely. Uh, but getting back to the personal side, it's uh, uh, when when we get when we have friends or in our in our journey class, for example, when people are uh, they're in trouble and they need help. Um, my hope is that they feel like they can ask for help, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't know that they can or don't feel comfortable or too too proud to do so and I don't want to criticize that except that that's what we're hopefully able to do in journey I hope that we can take care of each other well I couldn't close out the show without asking a few quick hitter questions because you did this to me before Um, so who's your best friend best friend um, Alan Barkley Uh, he was uh, 
somebody that I met in junior high school. Wow, that's a uh, long time. And uh, we have been have maintained a friendship for a long time. And he's, you know, why he's a friend. He's willing to ask me the tough questions. There you go, best friend. Yeah, he's willing to say, "What on earth are you thinking?" <laughs> We all need somebody like that. And uh, he's done that to me. Wow. Uh, and and I, I love him to death. Mm. Love him to death. Anyway, he's uh, that's easy. That's easy. Now, obviously, my best friend is Joe. But I, I've thought outside the mm-hmm. outside the box there. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, but he is uh, he's very special. Very well, special. that circles back to what we were talking about earlier about that uh, accountability check. Uh, how you stay intellectually honest? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have pets? Pets? Yep. I have uh, yes, Gus. He's our uh, new uh, uh, doggy. Is that who? Is that what you're? <laughs> That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm asking. You want That's, to talk uh, about he's, Gus? He's uh, he is as golly. He's so active. He's eight months old now. Uh, very new. We had an accident with his leg that we had to mend. Or, or my, that's why Joe couldn't go to Colorado uh, as quickly as she did. Uh, is, is going to be able to go this next week. But uh, but he is a great dog. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I love I love him. Love the dog. Oh my gosh! All this energy at this late stage of, of the game. Ooh, yeah. Good luck to you with that. Yeah. Favorite time of day? Uh, about uh, probably eleven, twelve o'clock at night, something like that. Generally, I'm I'm usually watching some television show. Maybe I'm I'm I'm, I'm a rock and roll fanatic. I uh, I love rock and roll, and so uh, I'll, I'll watch some rock and roll late at night on uh, on video, Netflix, or or uh, Amazon Prime. I, That's hilarious! Uh, yeah. I never would have guessed that yeah. about you. That's yeah. fun. Favorite sport? Uh, my favorite sport. Uh, to play would be tennis. To watch would be basketball. Fun. Okay. Yeah. Um, got a favorite movie? Favorite movie? Yes, I do. Tell me. Uh, it's the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly mm. with Clint Eastwood. Yes, that is by far my favorite, and I could, I've only watched it about a hundred times. Only. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you're lucky, you can sneak it in again sometime soon. Favorite vacation spot? I think I know the answer, but go ahead. Uh, Hawaii. That's I was going to guess Colorado because I know you spend a no, lot of time there. Hawaii. Or not, no, that's mine is Hawaii. Yeah. That's, we we've been there ten or twenty times, and uh, and we have certain hotels we love to go to. Mm-hmm. We'll be going in the next few months again. Oh, good for you. Yeah. That's lovely. I'm a beach girl myself. Yeah. Okay, well, as we wrap up our show today, is there anything you'd like um, our listeners to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? Uh, well, thank you for the time. It's, uh, it's been uh, enlightening and kind of uh, introspective, I guess, as you think about things that you, you wonder about. I, uh, I, I will tell you that uh, uh, I have uh, a wife that is just out of this world as far as uh, support and love. And uh, uh, she, she's somebody who shows up. Mm-hmm. I love her too. Yeah, and she, uh, uh, she kind of overwhelms me on a day-by-day basis. And I just, I, I just you know, I want to affirm the fact that, that, that she's been a part of my life. And then on top of that, I'll tell you, I have two children that are just out of this world. And uh, they, uh, they both are right and by the way that comes from their mother not from me (laughs) (laughs) 
and they're hardworking. They're both mm. work bright and hardworking, and I and I'm I'm so proud of them. So proud of them, and uh, uh, and you know you don't do what I've been able to do now for as long as I have without uh, without that kind of support, mm. without uh, uh, family. Uh, it, it's it, 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 it. Let me put it this way: it makes what I do so much easier, and uh, and I get you know overwhelmed by their. Uh, their willingness to be uh, a part of my life and to support me and uh, to love me. So I guess that's what I would say to you uh, in closing. Mm. Well, that's a lovely place where grace and truth meet. And it sounds like you found that balance. Well, friends, if you've enjoyed this conversation today with Jim Kennedy, I hope that you will like and subscribe on our podcast, that you will rate and review. And if you'd like to continue this conversation with Jim Kennedy, you can do that at uh, call me anytime. I've got a cell phone, 214-636-9623. I might not answer it, but I'll return a call. <laughs> Jim, thanks so much. I've so enjoyed this interview today. Thank you. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week. Can you think of someone who would enjoy our show today? If so, please share it with them. You can help others find us too by liking, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Visit today's show notes for show highlights, links to recommended resources, including our own, nis.media. I'd love to hear what you have to say, so drop me a line at Kit McCarty, NIS, on Facebook or at kit at nis.media. And if you'd like to hear more from me, sign up for my periodic newsletter when you're on my site. Special thanks to the production team at Headset Radio and to my friend Becky Salazar for the bumper music. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. See you again soon.